0: We thank you, Lord God, for this great gathering. We thank you for your presence here. But Lord, for for a moment, we think of people who are not yet walking with you in the way that you've called them. We think of family and friends and neighbors and workmates and people in our lives and in our community and even around the world. But Lord God, you lay on our hearts for a moment. Just a burden, God, to pray, to intercede, to stand in the gap. Lord, we pray for people to be born again into the kingdom of God. We pray for people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We pray revival. We pray for an awareness around the community of who Jesus is, of how much he loves people, what he wants to do in their lives. Lord God, we pray for that. We pray that you would use us as witnesses. We pray that we would not be uh, dispassionate, that we would not be apathetic, that we would not stand by and look on, but we would get involved and reach out and offer to pray like we heard Stephanie say this morning. Lord God, help us to reach out with the good news. Give us a boldness. Lord God, grace and humility and love and grace, but boldness, Lord God, to preach the gospel, to go into the world, to share the good news, to compel them to come in, to challenge people to consider the claims of Christ. Help us, Lord God, stir us. And again, we pray, Spirit of God, touch lives, soften hearts, Lord God. We pray that people would be shaken and shaken out of their apathy and their comfort zone to consider Jesus and who you want to be in their lives. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord acclaim. Come on, Lord we pray, God we pray, souls Lord God, people saved, people blessed, Jesus it's your will, and Lord God, your will for us to attend to your word, to to grow, to learn something when we gather together and hear from the preaching of your word, we pray you'd speak to us and give us something we can apply to our lives for your glory, in the name of Jesus, again everyone said, Amen, All right. God bless you. Thank you. Thanks, Musos. All right. So we're starting a series today on healing. We're calling it Pathways to Healing. I want you to turn to John chapter 9. And we're reading uh, right from verse 1. Jesus is going along. That he saw a blind man. Sorry. Well, he saw a blind man. Particularly in the NIV. It says he saw a man blind from birth. John chapter 9, verse 1. Verse 2. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, meaning teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in this world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Yes, you read that correctly. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of the Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and he came home singing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him, seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. Now then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Salome and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know what he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the other day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath day. Therefore the Pharisees asked him how he had received his sight. Well, he put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, "He is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and that he had received his sight until they said to the man's parents, is this your son? They asked, is this the one... You say was born blind. How is it that he can now see? We know he is our son. The parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now, or how his eyes are opened, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He'll speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said he is of age. Ask him. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner, meaning Jesus. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already, and you do not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? He's got an attitude and boldness to say that to the Pharisees. Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And then he answered, now that's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody's ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man was not from God, he could do nothing. But this they replied, you were steep in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? They threw him out. Jesus heard that they'd thrown him out and he went and found him. He said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I might believe in him. Jesus said, you've now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you." And man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. What an awesome story. It's got a lot of detail, which it it, it makes it easy to grasp and get into, doesn't it? I want us to notice three things today about this story. The first one is, the different reactions people have to the same situation. First of all, the man, he's blind from birth, and he's accepted that's his lot in life. But now he accepts radical change. So his reaction, fortunately for him, it is not one of stubborn resistance. He's actually open to things changing. And and that's offered to him by Jesus. He's got faith, he's got obedience and he receives a miracle, and he ends up worshipping Jesus accordingly. And and that, I think, really shows us that things can change in life. Just because they've been a certain way doesn't mean they'll always be that way. It can be a miracle like this in your body. It can be changes in your character, developments in your career prospects. You might have bashed yourself against the wall and feel like nothing's going to happen. Things can shift. Things can change. It can be your health, your finances, your dreams of ministry and serving God. All kinds of things can change. Things can change. Yeah. Don't think that just that's the way it's always been, that's the way it's always going to be. Because he was blind for many, many years and then suddenly he could see. That's good, isn't it? And he was open for it. That was his reaction. Of course, the disciples, well, they tried to figure out who was at fault. They were asking the wrong questions. They were trying to figure out, there's got to be a cause of the man's blindness. And we think it's sin. And so is it him or his parents? And so they've really just got the wrong paradigm. And Jesus is going to shift that for them. So there's a lesson there for us. Then you've got the neighbours. And they get into a debate rather than wanting to celebrate. They want to go on about, well, is this really the guy? Maybe he's Is that his brother? Does he look like him? Maybe the blind beggar is no longer there, but now we've got a guy who can see who says he's there. And so they're just kind of gossiping and wondering and talking all about the situation. Then you've got the Pharisees. And, of course, they take offense because God seems to be working outside the box that they've built for him. Don't you hate it when God gets out of the box? (laughs) So we've spent hundreds of years building this pharisaical box that's where God belongs, and then this Jesus character comes along and does all this stuff. We're not interested in the good news, that I can see. It rattles our cage. It's just about the Sabbath, and, and we're disciples of Moses, and he didn't come through Sabbath school and work his way up and become like us. Well, he did probably do Sabbath school, but then he you know, carved his own course <laughs> didn't really have anything to learn from it after a while. You can read that passage in Luke about uh, when he's about 12 years old. You know, he, he sort of reads the, uh, sorry, just Luke 4. He reads the scroll, but before that, when he's a little kid, you know, he's, he's, he's sussing out the the, the synagogue, and you get the impression that he, he kind of pretty knows who he is and what's going on and what's going to happen. And so they don't like that. They can't cope with that. Um, they're proud. Uh, And their pride prevents them from seeing God at work. And that's tragic, isn't it? And we want to make sure that we don't let our tradition stop us from being happy for someone who's got something really exciting going on in their life. His life's just been radically changed for the better, and all they can think is, that's not the way we do it around here. Like, well, who cares? The guy can see. And then, of course, we've got the reaction of Jesus, which is really worth taking note of because... He comes across someone with a problem, and rather than just talking about it, he wants to do something to help the guy. And he's got the ability to help the guy. So he's got compassion and ability. And that's a pretty cool mix, because he extends this compassion with healing power, and the guy is set free from blindness and sees for the first time in his whole life. So when you look at all the different people in the story, it makes you realize in every situation in life, I've got a choice as to how I will respond. How am I going to react to these circumstances, to this situation that I find myself in? Am I going to get bogged down in in trying to analyse things that are beyond my understanding, like the disciples were, maybe asking the wrong questions and thinking stuff through? There's nothing wrong with thinking things through and analysing things, but you've got to have the wisdom to know, is this worth figuring out, or is this beyond me, or do I need God's perspective on me? Are we going to get bound up by traditions? Like the Pharisees, sadly, pridefully rejecting a new way of doing something. Isn't it amazing when you read business success stories how often people said no, whether it's financing, some kind of backing, you know, to an idea that ends up being proven a great idea. And everyone's like, wow, I wish I had thought of that. Well, someone did, and no one else believed them except maybe a couple of guys who paid them a little bit of money and now they're multi you know, because they saw a new way of doing something. And yet, sometimes we just get uncomfortable. We don't like change and we don't want things to change, and the Pharisees are a classic example of that. And in some situations, again, we can learn from the, the people in this area, the neighbours around the place, you can just get caught up in gossip and innuendo and talk about what's going on rather than enjoying what's going on. Uh, and of course we've got the choice to have faith in God and to flow with His will. Because as a, we have a choice. We like to make a judgment about situations, but sometimes we're a little bit too quick to make up our mind and say, "Ah, oh, no, this is what I think. And uh, we really need to take stock of what Jesus is saying when He comes onto a situation. You know, that WWJD bracelet thing that was going around, maybe still is, you know, it's a good thing to remember. You know, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? If he was here right now, what would he think? What's his perspective? I'm just bowing on it and making a judgment because Jesus is going to act a little differently as we see when he goes to heal the guy beyond what we might understand or what our traditions tell us or um, what we would feel comfortable with. So it's worth looking at the the reactions and figuring out which one would I be. Second thing to note is the actual healing. because Let's just stop for a moment and think, this guy has been completely healed from blindness. It, it's worth reflecting on. He's been blind from birth for the first time ever. How amazing, how incredible would that be? In fact, when I was researching this, I looked on YouTube, and you can see people who have had this happen to them through operations, and, uh, and there's some incredible footage of people who have been filmed who they're having their bandages removed and they've seen for the first time. Little girls in India whose parents have, couldn't afford an operation that isn't that expensive but they're promoting a, an organisation that helps them get these operations done. And the Girls can see one guy who had been uh, damaged by a chemical explosion back in the 70s, like 40 years later, he gets to see his family for the first time. and. Uh, just amazing to think what this guy is going through. And, of course, he finds himself in this storm of controversy. He just wants to celebrate his healing. You know, and the first like, do you really think that and he's, like, he's getting catchy, isn't he? He's like, listen, you guys, can I just go out and look at the flowers, please? You know, you just, you know, there's a lot to enjoy here and you don't seem to get it. Um, but, you know, it's all because of Jesus. Jesus is God. Jesus brought To us, to this earth, the will of God. He shows us the heart of the Father, which we've been singing about this morning, like God's Father heart. We hear about that over communion when Michael, with his brand new son, just gives him another revelation of how much love God must have for us as Father. In other words, whatever Jesus did in the Gospels reveals to us what God wants to do in our lives, in everyone's life. We're not walking around physically with Jesus but he is still ministering in the same way that he did when he was on earth. And, uh, you know, whether it's loving, he wants to, to bless, to guide, to to teach, to challenge, to, to feed spiritually or to heal. And, and this is just one of many miracles. There's dozens, dozens of others that we read about in the Gospel accounts. All different kinds of healings. And there's many more that we don't get to read about because John, who recorded what we just read, uh, writes this whole gospel account, as you know, and uh, to, right towards the end, in chapter 21, verse 25, he says, um, he basically says, look, it's just incredible what Jesus did. I can't write at all. He's, he says, many other signs, therefore, Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And so he's basically saying, look, I could have written some more stuff down, but I hope I've written enough for you to just realize who Jesus is, to get your life right, line yourself up with him, and focus not just on the healings, but the healer, because there's a lot more that he can do. Isn't that amazing? In fact, the very last words of John's Gospel, he says the same kind of thing. And he just says, all the books of the world couldn't contain all the amazing stuff that Jesus did. Isn't that a great thought? And so Jesus' healing power and experiences aren't limited by what we read. There's a lot more that went on. And that was only 30 months or so of ministry. And of course, he's gone back up to heaven, but empowered people coming after him to keep working healings and miracles. So, uh, the Bible tells us, uh, Hebrews 13, it says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Which means that we, today we can be confident of receiving healing. From Jesus, just as these people did, but as I said, we're not physically with him, but we can still access his healing power for every condition, any illness, through faith, through prayer, the power of God, the Holy Spirit, bringing the Spirit of Christ to us. So, the healing power of Jesus. We shouldn't just be casually observant of this, just accepting, just aware, just having an intellectual awareness of it. We should be keenly appreciative. We should be actively pursuing it because once you know what God's will is for your life, you really want to get on the front foot about that. Don't you agree? I I know God knows everything and God has this for my life yeah, but I'm going to go this way. (laughs) Not a good call. We should really be following what God shows us and He's clearly showing us through the ministry of Jesus uh, that healing for every condition, every sickness, anything that needs fixing up is available and we should be exhibiting the same passion for that as Jesus did. I, I had this experience when I first became a Christian. I went to a church that taught me a lot of good things But there was a a lack of understanding in Revelation about the power of God available today. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. The fact that Jesus is still doing today what he did back then. And there's a doctrine for it. Some people have written a doctrine to suit their experience and they call it the, the Age of Dispensation. So basically, we know Jesus did some amazing things. We don't have them happen in our life. So will take a period of time, let's say 100 years or so, and say that just happened then in history, but it doesn't happen now. And some churches teach this, and they'll say, no, that, that, that healing is just back then. The problem with that is it isn't just back then. It didn't stop after 100 years. It is still going on, whether it's happening in their lives. And there's no scriptural indication that it should stop because the book of Acts doesn't wrap up with a, and that happened to those guys, but don't expect the same thing to happen to you. The book of Acts just stops abruptly. I think God deliberately wants us to realize that the book of Acts is still being written. And right through the New Testament, right throughout history, there's evidence of Jesus healing people. Because it doesn't always happen the way we like, but we've got to still contend for the fact that God's a healing God. His nature has not changed. Jesus is still the same today and will be the same tomorrow as he was yesterday. Amen? And then the third thing I want you to know is how Jesus healed. And this gets on the, the, the subject or the title of our series that we're doing. First of all, let's face it, it's pretty unusual to do what he did to fix someone up. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I went to the doctor and I said, oh, I've, got, I've got a problem, I've got you know, more than a speck of dirt in my eye. Said, All right, come with me out into the car park, over to the garden bed. I mean, really, think about it. You know, spits, makes mud, rubs on your eyes. and So now wander down towards Terrible Beach. Have a wash, you'll be fine. I mean, what would you do? What would you say? Honestly. Just when, again, as soon as, God just doesn't live in the boxes that we build for him, does he? As soon as people think this is the way God does it, Jesus is like, yeah, I'm just going to tease him a little. I mean, he didn't, surely he didn't, what's in the dirt? I don't think it was holy dirt, you know, or holy water. in that. Because at other times he didn't do that. Why? Why? Did he, well, he just has different methods at different times. Because uh, sometimes Jesus would just pray. Sometimes Jesus would speak a command over a sickness. Other times he laid his hands on someone. In another situation, he would uh, rebuke a demon that had bound someone up. Other times, he he attributed the healing to the faith of the recipient. As if he didn't have anything to do with it. Well, it is his power, but he would commend someone because it's their faith that that drew on the power. And then some people, like this guy, were required to, to show their faith and obedience by doing something that he asked them to do, even if it was a little unusual. But whatever the means, he was always wanting to help people, always healing people. You don't ever see in the gospel accounts Jesus coming across a sick person and saying, Your sickness is God's will. I've healed this one, but I'm sorry you're gonna to have to live with that one because that's good for you. He did never say, Oh, wow, that's a toughie, sorry. I know, I know. Yes, I know. I healed the guy from blindness, but I can't. I can't do this one. If you've got any water, I'll give you a good glass of red. I can, you know, I'm just. You know, he didn't. You know, he didn't sort of struggle with. Oh, I, you know, I can do this, but I can't do that. You hear what I'm saying? God's will is to heal. Jesus revealed that to us. And today, as so said, Jesus is still healing, and He's still using different means, different methods, different pathways, if you like, because he's the source of the healing, but we'll find different avenues. And this is the title for our series, because over the next coming weeks, we want to look at the different pathways that we can find towards healing. There's natural means, our body. There's modern medicine God has not got a problem with. He's given people brains. They come up with great developments in science and medicine and inventions and chemicals and stuff, and so we work with that. There's prayer that other people are involved in, praying for you, praying with you. Sometimes there's a spiritual gift of healing. Sometimes there's uh, healing imparted through the laying on of hands. And other times it might be the the person standing on God's word, the promises, praying for themselves. And and then sometimes uh, it could be instant and sometimes uh, it takes a while. Sometimes there's a struggle. Sometimes there's a battle. I've had a number of times where, incredibly, often went on needing to work or minister, even in Australia. But particularly when I've been overseas, uh, I've got very, very sick just before I've got to preach. Ruth and I had a terribly tough time a couple of years ago in Thailand. (laughs) We were tag team preaching, and we had this terrible fever. But we never let it get us down. We were fighting for our sick, for our healing, and we, we. We're just both feverish. We arrived in this town. They put us in a hotel room. I didn't know I was in the bed. I'm just shivering. I didn't know whether I was hot or cold. Or, uh, and then they knock on the door. Like one minute later, except it was four hours later. You know, and they say, "Okay, let's go." Uh, hi. And and uh, and so we're praying for our healing. The symptoms just haven't changed quick enough. You know, we've really got faith for healing. We'll talk more about this in the next few weeks. Uh, you know, the challenge of accepting the facts, but, but still contending for the truth. You know, dealing with the situation and accepting what's real. Like it says, Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good a dead, and yet he was not unmoved. He's, he was moved by his faith, not not the, the current facts. Yeah, You face the facts, but then you do something. Else. So I remember this particular, and I said this happened a number of times, but this last one, we went into this meeting, and we were... Uh, contending for our healing as we had to get up and preach. And um, and, it, and it, was a, it was a big challenge. And we had a miscommunication because Ruth was preaching. I'd done a bit, I can't remember, yeah, they had long meetings. It was several hours long, you know. And there was prophecy and preaching and teaching and this and that. And, and we're a good team. we both got things to say. And normally I'm right on the front foot saying, okay, Dad, my turn, you know. This time I was like, I thought I'd, I'd done my bit. Oh, good. And I just sat down in the front row and got back to shivering. You know, and just like, oh, God, take me home. I mean, heaven, not Australia. I mean, the whole thing, the whole shebang ended now. I felt so bad, you know. And, um, and, and Ruth bridging away. And then she kind of looked at me as if, like, well, do you want to? I'm like, no, you're doing fine. Yeah. But she was really saying, it's your turn. Take over. But I didn't get the signs. I was just like, I thought it was a question. Right, you know, would you like? No, you you're doing great. Carry on. And I, I think maybe I did remember her eyes widening a little. You know, All right, honey. I'll deal with you later. Please, you know. But she just went on like a champion. And uh, and then on an overnight train from that town back to Bangkok, I got my healing, and I was fine the next day. And I'm thinking, thanks God, why didn't you do it a day before? But, you know, that's like the instant healing miracle as opposed to just contending and fighting and getting it. But I was healed. Ruth then had it even worse for her for another couple of days. But we we got healed. But then we get on uh, Facebook, and there's the pastor. We don't know if we gave it to him or if it was in that area or something. He gets hospitalized. And he's got a photo of himself on a drip line in hospital. Going, I'm sick. Everybody pray for me. We're like, yeah, well, you know, we're preaching. We have to keep going. <laughs> it's Monday now. We got you got through the weekend. Anyway, we, I'm sure you've got your own stories. What I'm saying is, you can't always guarantee uh, how God's going to do something, and you just want to make sure your current circumstances don't uh, don't determine your theology and your belief system. Uh, as I said, some people have. They say, well, "We haven't experienced that." So what? You throw the baby out with the bathwater, as they say. You just throw the whole thing out. Jesus healed. God promises healing. Well, if I haven't experienced it as quickly or as easily as I like, well, let's just not throw it out. Let's be contending for it. And, of course, we've got to be compassionate for people without any sense of judgment if someone hasn't received healing. There's no sense of, oh, what's wrong with you? Where's your faith? Like these guys say, oh, he's blind. Who's sinning? She's like, guys, 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 wrong question. It's just for the glory of God. Watch this. And so, you know, there's no sense of if you haven't received your healing or if someone you know is still contending for healing or they're not even into healing or they don't believe for it. There's no problem with that. We just want to contend and keep pushing into God. And uh, and that's exactly what the disciples did. They took this message. As I said, Jesus left Earth, went to heaven. But when he left, he said, you guys go and do greater miracles. Here's the power of the Holy Spirit. The Lord's going to, it says at the end of the book of Mark, you're going to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And then it says, and the Lord worked with the disciples. And you read that straight in the book of Acts early on. Pentecost is Acts 2. Acts 3, you've got Peter and John. And um, it's the gate, beautiful, at the temple. And there's a guy there he has been crippled, begging. And uh, he said, give me some money. And what does Peter say? I can't give you what you're asking, but I'll give you something much better. In the name of Jesus. He said, Well, you don't say it exactly oh, That's my paraphrase. I'll read it to you from the Bible. He says, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the man, of course, was instantly healed. And it says that he, he got up walking, leaping, and praising God. And so there's Peter knowing that uh, Jesus gets the glory, it's the power of God. He's just a servant of God, but he's carrying that ministry to, to heal. It's part of the package, part of his of, of his ministry. He's just been preaching in Acts two, the gospel, and seeing people saved. The very next chapter, he's walking around and uh, and praying for people that he meets and contending for God's healing power. And as I said, right through the book of Acts, right through history, right up to today, you see the ministry of Jesus healing continuing, and we want to contend for that through different means, different methods, different pathways, and we'll talk more in the weeks to come about how we can uh, get a hold of that. Amen?